It brings us to the fight. Both champions are peaking and both are determined. We feel that the jab was going to be the uh, key factor in the fight, uh, the left hand, because uh, we feel that if we can, once we can get Marvin to watch the left jab, get his mind on the left hand, then there will be no problem with getting other shots off. The Hearns' is best uh, defense is his offense, because that's the only way that he knows how to fight. Uh, in my way, I have to make my defense my best offense. So, uh, and though that I have both ways, because once I get him in trouble, I can change it around. Thomas don't have that ability. I'm here to show the world that I have the ability, the punching power, to get in there and knock out middleweights, light heavyweights, whatever, welterweights, all the way up to the lightweight divisions. I have that power. I have my mind focused on one thing, and that's to destroy him. That is to knock him out. If I have the opportunity, if it's there, I'm going to take it. I think that this fight here will put me in the position for to make greatness and uh, be, put me one step closer to greatness and wishes to win the four titles. That's what I feel. War. That's what's on my mind. I don't see the fight going to a round. I've been feeding the faith, and I've been starving the doubt. So there's no doubt in my mind that I can't win this fight or that I won't knock Thomas Hearns out. All right, Raymond, back again on the Ring of Bell podcast, one that we've been looking forward to for a while. You've been looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marvelous Marvin Hagler versus Hitman Tommy Hearns, April 15th, 1985 in Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. Billed as the fight and then later fittingly changed to the war. Uh, Tommy the Hitman Hearns also goes by the Motor City Cobra, so Marvelous Marvin. I don't know. I mean, those are some, some great names. Yeah. I mean, uh, marvelous Marvin Hagler gave himself that name. Um, like he he thought that he needed to have like a cool nickname. Yeah. So he actually changed his name legally to marvelous Marvin Hagler. <laughs> Did you know that? No. Yeah, dude. He, he changed his name legally to marvelous <laughs> Marvin Hagler. Marvelous. That's Marvin amazing. Hagler. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This fight uh, <laughs> pitted two guys that had so much hype coming in behind them. Um, the fight odds were both six to five. Uh, for both guys going into the fight, obviously one of the the best fights we you know that we talk about all the time. Hagler ends up knocking out Hearns in the third round, about eight minutes of of total boxing, right? But enough to last a lifetime. People have been talking about this fight as long as I can remember. Yeah, I mean, what was it, 37, 38 years ago almost? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just an incredible fight, and really looking forward to getting into this. But we got to do some of the obligatory stuff that I I, I love about this podcast so sure. what was the number one movie 1985 in april of 1985 yep. april 15 1985 um by the way this fight was on a monday this fight was on a monday we'll get yeah. into that a little bit okay okay so 1985 april dude i don't know rocky 4 came out in 1985 rocky 4 did come out i don't Listen, know dude. in a year where rocky 4 commando cocoon pale rider rambo first blood part 2 that's kind of an awkward name but whatever National Lampoon's European Vacation, Back to the Future. What was the number one movie at this time, on this date? Fuck, I have no fucking clue. Police Academy 2. No way. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's, 
<laughs> I love that movie. It's dude. a great movie, but well, still, like for that year, for that year, you figure like we would all be like, oh, Back to the Future, amazing, you know? Like, no. Did Police you say Commando? Did. Commando, yeah, that year. yeah, dude, incredible, right? Yeah, man, that's incredible. All right, number one song, Cindy Lauper. Good guess. We are the world. I think she was actually part of that. Yeah, she group probably that was. Did that, right? So she probably was. All right, all right. Enough with that craziness. All right. As a boxing historian, <laughs> we joked about we joke about it, but you, I mean, you've got you know all this uh, boxing acumen and, and understanding of the history and all that. Would you say this is the greatest fight in history? I don't know, man. It's hard to say. Like, oh yeah, this is the greatest fight in history. Um, people talk about it like it is. Uh, they talk about the, the the round round one of this fight. It's considered the greatest round in history by a lot of boxing people. And I think a lot of it is because these guys were so elite and they were just willing to go toe-to-toe the whole freaking time. You know, like when you're an elite fighter, like we're talking about like Terrence Crawford against Earl Spence. I don't, people are like, oh my gosh, I I hope if they do, if they do fight, it's going to be like Hagler Hearns. Everyone always mentions this fight. Yeah. But as like a boxing guy that's watched the sport over the last, 35 years since this fight you don't really expect them to do that because they're so technical and they're so good at what they do and Hagler and Hearns were very technical and very you know they took their time to dissect their opponent but in this particular fight they just freaking went at it right away yeah which is why this fight is so great okay so an easier question is this the best round of boxing in history dude like we could call it that, yeah. Because you know? what what other one round of boxing do you go back and revisit and watch as often as people go back to watch this first round? I mean, I don't go back and watch this round, but Joe Lewis against Max Schmeling, round okay. one, yeah. the second fight. Yeah, there was so much magnitude to that fight, and he ends up like beating beating him up and knocking him out in one yeah. round. So that's a very good round. Um, when you you know you'll think back, even though Joshua Klitschko round five was a great round. Um, I mean, that's not one of the greatest, but I'm just like yeah. throwing it out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? but it's hard. I mean, you're, you're hard to search it's, for a round that had this much impact. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, Tyson yeah. Spinks round one was great. Uh, but like when you talk about just action, dude, for three minutes, like honestly, like just gosh, like after like 90 seconds, I was, I was watching it like a few days ago. I was like, damn, like it's only been 90 seconds. Yeah. And they're just freaking going at it this yeah. whole time. And the back and forth, it wasn't just a one-sided, right? A lot of times no. you'll see a round yeah. where it's it's super one-sided or one guy will get a knockdown early and then another guy might get the knockdown later. But with this, it was both guys were just catching each other right. and coming straight at each other. Right. It took five, six twister turns within three minutes, which is crazy. And it just started just like that. Right, right out the gate. Right out the gate. Right out the gate. And you expect action, but you don't expect that. Yeah. You know? And it was a great venue. It was outside. Yeah, the face-off was amazing. Like, they were just totally, like, looking at each other. Like, we were talking about the book, even in the, in the press conference. Like, they are just staring at each other. It's it's a great story, man. It's a great fight. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So, doing research for this fight, again, it's been almost 40 years that we've, of, of content that's come out after discussion, right? There's books that were written. I, I, I read the, the War by Don Stradley. We watched that documentary, The Kings, right? There's yeah. all these articles that have come out. There's yeah. articles still from 85 that are posted uh, leading up to the fight, yeah. during, you know, like right after the fight. So there's just so much to consume. And 
again, it's just it's incredible how much since this fight, how how the legend of it has just grown. Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta also remember that Tommy Hearns was a junior junior middleweight. He was 154 pounds and moved up to 160 to fight Marvin Hagler. Hagler was always that guy, like on top of the mountain, saying like, "You, if you want me, come and get me," you know. And Hearns did that. Moved up. His first fight in middleweight was against Hagler. So there was all this hype. And at the time, you know, we've talked about this. In 1984, this fight was in 85, but 1984, Hagler was the highest paid athlete in all of sports. So the magnitude of this fight was bigger than it would be today because boxing was so much bigger back then. And the fact that it's on a Monday and it wasn't on like a weekend... I mean, I don't even, was it on like a pay-per-view or anything? Like, do we know so that? So it was, it was mostly on closed circuit TV. It was replayed on HBO. Okay. I did all the research I could trying to figure out if there was an actual pay-per-view for this. And I don't think there was. If no. there was a cost, it probably would have been around 30, 35 bucks at the time. Yeah. But it was go to your local bar or tavern, go to your stadium. But now it would be like going to a movie theater or going to Staples Center mm. to watch it with thousands of people. Or a small venue could have had it closed circuit. But that was it. That was Bob Arum's philosophy. That's how boxing made their money back then on on larger screens. Wow. So it was just a kind of a different time. And those guys were insistent this is going to be uh, like a closed circuit type event. The hype leading up to it was incredible, obviously. But you, you referenced a couple times the fact that this took place on a Monday. Not only was it a Monday, it was on tax day. Wow. April 15th. <laughs> Yeah. So what was crazy was there was actually commercials that they did together or a commercial that they did talking about filing your taxes. Jeez. And it was like a brilliant promotion. It was like, hey, you're going to be home. You know, you got to file your taxes that day. Might as well after you got the stress of dealing with all that crap, come and watch us fight. Wow. So would a fight like that even – I mean no one ever consider having a major fight like this on any day but Saturday, let alone a Monday. Right. But there is some brilliance to that, right? We gather on our TVs for some of the biggest events midweek, right? Monday, there's football, right? Monday night mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. Tuesdays, a lot of times there's like hit shows that are on on Tuesdays or Thursdays, obviously, right? Football's jumped in and taken Thursdays. Um, you know, there's, oh, again, show releases always happen on, on Thursday nights. So question to you, would that would we ever see something like that again where a major <laughs> fight like that would occur on a Monday? Nah, I mean, that's just a generational thing. Yeah. You know, not in this generation. Um, you know, it was so common back then. It, even I think uh, Ali Frazier was on a Monday. And I think uh, I'm not sure what day, but I know Leonard and Hagler was also on a weekday. Yeah, which was in 1987. Uh, that just tells you that you know, the game has just changed so much. And the closed circuit thing reminds me of pay per view, but they weren't pay per view. Probably just wasn't available back then. You know, uh, HBO was around, but I don't think they had like TVKO, which was the, the HBO wasn't. It, it just didn't have the clout that they would have now to be able right. to pull something like that off. Right. Um, and again, it just that wasn't the the way that the promoters looked to to make money off the fight. They didn't think that pay per view was as appealing as hey, we'll sell this on closed circuit. We'll make all this money off these tickets, kind of like going to an event or a show. Right. Versus, hey, I'm going to chill in my house and watch it. Now we've got these amazing TVs in our houses. Think about what people were watching off of back then. I mean, we're looking at 15-inch laptops right now. Right. That's what people's TVs look like back then. Right. So it's just a different time, different place. 
So maybe they would go to like a bar, hang up, hang out yeah. with friends, and yeah. all the bars had it. Yeah. On a Monday, they just meet up. Like they would go watch Monday Night Football at yeah. a bar. It was just part of the culture. But it is kind of cool. Like think about it. If if there was a major fight that was going to take place on a Monday, you'd be like, man, this is kind of cool. Finish up oh. my work, head out, yeah. and go watch the fight. Yeah. So just a just a different kind of mentality back then. Right. Um. Let's see here. So what about Caesars? I want to talk about that for a second. So 15,000 fans were at Caesars. A lot of celebrities were in the in the crowd, obviously. The Jack Nicholson, Bo Derek, Muhammad Ali was there. But people were talking like boxing was on its last legs. I feel mm. like every every year or two, that, that's the narrative, right? Like boxing's dead. It's never coming back. But there always seems to be an appetite for a fight like this. Of course. You get Hagler Hearns in the ring. All right, cool. Mayweather, Pacquiao, people were... People were throwing dirt on boxing forever. And then that, you know, there, then there's all this hype and lead up to that kind of a fight. Even something like Mayweather, McGregor. De La Hoya. De La Hoya, right? There's all these fights that are still there. Like you said, even now, people are throwing dirt on boxing again, as usual. But if Fury fights Joshua, Fury fights Wilder again, uh, Spence fights uh, uh, Crawford. Crawford. Yeah. If Spence fights Crawford, people are going to tune in for that. Heck yeah. I mean, we could complain all we want about the sport of boxing, but at the end of the day, when two guys fight and they're at their top, at the peak of their sport, and we understand what boxing is, we're going to end up watching. You know, it's it's a sport where it doesn't take that much mind power to follow it. You know, or like like you don't need to learn. You don't that. need to know anything. No, you don't. You just watch two guys fight. Yeah, same weight class, and they're just fighting. And if they're at the top and some people know about it, you could kind of just like hang out and watch it and, and just chill. So, yeah, man. It's, uh, they were really throwing it down at the time, huh? For sure. For sure. And one thing that was interesting about that time was, if you, if you think about the state of it, the Ali generation, all those guys were kind of fading out. Of right? Course. Yeah. I mean, Foreman was going to hang around for a while. But really, it was, it was a, a middleweight, welterweight was was just dominating boxing at that time. That's a great point because Tyson wasn't even around. Yeah, I mean, Tyson he was, really didn't hit the scene until, no, until eighty six, eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Ali was gone in the yeah. early eighties. Larry Holmes was around. Larry Holmes was like fighting like Jerry Cooney, Michael Spinks. Yeah, all these guys that weren't very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they weren't prolific. They didn't stand the test. Marketable. Of time. Yeah, you yeah. know. And uh, Ray, Ray Leonard was marketable. And Marvin Hagler was this beast. And then Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, the Four Kings. Yep. So that's... The boxing was just very... Like, it was part of the culture. That's the thing. It's like it was just in in at the time. Yeah. Where it could be on, on a Monday or a Tuesday and it's all good. So it's just crazy how much the game has changed, man. Yeah. Well, I, I think since that time, there was the, the dominance of the of the heavyweights and the late 80s early night or into the 90s and even into the early 2000s right that that generation kind of came and went and then the middleweights kind of took back over right the middleweights the welterweights right we had the pacquiao and mayweather fights right again we we think about de la hoya carrying the division for a while right like there was there was the smaller guys frankly were the ones that were carrying the division or carrying the sport yep and then now suddenly the heavyweights would jump back in and they're they're kind of carrying the banner but for a good minute for about 10 years, the focus was on who's fighting at welterweight, 
who's fighting at, at middleweight mm-hmm. and all the action that was going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in in a matter of 10 years time, and we'll talk about the lead up to the fight, but I do just want to talk about in the 10 years leading up to this fight, there were the four kings of of boxing, frankly, right? So it was Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, Marvin Hagler, and actually Wilfred Benitez managed to kind of get in that mix too because he fought all those guys as well, held a title for a while. Yeah. But the thing that got me as I was doing research for this fight was I knew of all these fights. Like I knew Leonard fought Hagler. I knew Leonard fought Hearns twice. But I didn't know the order Oh, okay. And the timing of how it was going, right? Yeah. Where guys were in their career. And just going back through it, it's it's interesting because you reference, you know, Ali's gone. Now there's this vacuum of people have this appetite for boxing in the U.S. and suddenly these guys are gone. So Leonard is is kind of like the, the chosen one, right? Right. He fought on that 76 Olympic team. That was that was like a super popular team. The Spinks brothers fought on that, on that team. Right. And then uh, Duran was rising at the same time. So there was this crazy event that happened on November 30th of 1979. Aaron puts on this event. It was a two-city boxing spectacle, which I I was like shocked as I was looking at it because I was doing research and I'm like, wait a minute, how did they fight? So there were three fights that took place at Caesars in Vegas and there were three uh, fights that took place at the Superdome in in Louisiana. Yeah. And it was uh, two separate cards, obviously. So Leonard fights and he beats Benitez. Hagler had his draw with Anna Fermo on that card as well. Right. The same night in in uh, New Orleans, Hearns beats Mike Colbert as the second fight on that card. Wow. Which so, is amazing, right? So Bob Arum promoted both of those events? Both of those events. At the same the time. The same time, the same day. Wow. In two different locations. Again, stuff that you would never even think that could possibly happen nowadays. It's, it's sort of like a league. Yeah. They set it up like a league. Yeah. So huh. so coming into that, so now you got three guys fighting, these three of the four kings fighting on the same day, mm-hmm. not against each other, in two different cities. They were all young. And they were all young and coming up. Yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah, man. I mean, they definitely knew what they were doing at the time, and there was an appetite for it. You know, that's the thing. There was an appetite for boxing back then. Yeah. Where, like, you could have two. Was it a big card, the Leonard or the Hagler one? I'm sorry, the it Hearns was, one? It was Leonard. So the, the other the other uh, card was, it was. Tommy Hearns. Uh, yeah. It was Marvin Johnson fought Victor Galindez. Okay. That was the, the main part of the card. And then Hearns was the, the, the secondary fight versus Mike Colbert. Got it. And this was, like, a year before. Uh, Hearns fought Leonard. So then, so I'll, I'll get into that part. So after this, Leonard wins that fight. Hagler wins his fight. Hearns wins his fight. Then that sets up Leonard versus Duran. Oh, yeah. In That's 1980 right. in Montreal. Okay. Crazy battle, went the distance. Duran ends up beating him in a unanimous decision. Yeah. Right? He That's the highlight of his career, right? Duran, at that early of an age, peaks... Mm-hmm. And he just kind of, I don't want to say he self-destructs, but he kind of gets in his own way the rest of his career. Right. He has some highs and lows. But then, second fight was in was later that year, in November of 1980, and that's the Nomas fight. That's right. Right. So that's the fight where uh, Duran pretty much quit in the middle of the fight. He quit. Yeah. 
He quit. No one ever seen anything like that. And again, we're talking about, mind you, we're, we're here to talk about Hearns versus Hagler, but you can't have this discussion without talking about all these other guys. All this, all this going on, right? Because these guys were all going to fight each other later on. But it's just amazing to, to watch that fight again and how speechless you're left seeing a guy basically quit in the middle of a fight. What's crazy about that a is champion. Like, yeah, yeah. Champion, middle of a fight, quits. But like, we're talking about all these other fights. Like the, the Hagler Hearns happened in 1985. But we're talking about fights in like 1979. And when we, but when we talk about like let's say Mayweather Pacquiao and the other podcast that we did, we're not going back to freaking 1999. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's so much weight that with this particular fight in 1985 that like there's all there's all this crap that ha- or shit that went down yeah for years before we got to see the war and that before we actually got to see like the the reason why that that fight is so sick yeah you know whereas like nowadays like if there's Crawford versus Spence or Spence versus Crawford whatever um I don't, I don't think I would think back like six years ago and be like damn like Crawford fought this guy, and he's that's why he got so good. And then he like ended up being this guy and that guy. No, like the game is just so much different. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the history of Hagler versus Hearns. Yeah, well, and again, it was set for Leonard to take over. Right, the the public wanted it, the promoters wanted it. They knew they could make money off of this guy who was so marketable. Right, right. So Duran was a dude, frankly, from Central America, and they couldn't promote him as well here in America and around the world, probably, as they could someone like Leonard. Right. He was a lot more relatable, right? Duran, uh, I mean, all these guys kind of had, like, rough upbringings, but Leonard was just so much more personable and someone that people could identify with. Dude, I think, when I think Ray Leonard, I think a lot of, uh, about Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Because... When Leonard was retired from like 1982 to like 87 or whatever, 83 to 87, all these guys were fighting each other, but Leonard's name was still in all the headlines. He was still like in the commercials and there was still talk about him potentially fighting these other guys because he was still in his prime years. Yep. So when you think about McGregor, UFC, he takes time off, but then like, you know, someone so might fight someone else and they're, they're always talking about, oh yeah, I'd love to fight McGregor one day. Yeah. So Leonard was like that guy. You know if you fight McGregor, you're going to make a name for yourself. Right. One way or the other. Yeah. And if you beat him, again, McGregor's been struggling lately, but still, you can make a name for yourself just by beating him. Just like Duran made a name for himself, right? Exactly. Exactly. He's like Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now, the next fight is set. Leonard Leonard beats uh, Duran. Now the next fight is Leonard versus Hearns. That was set for September 81. That was a great fight. Right. That was the fight. Hearns was winning and then Leonard ends up coming back to beat him. Yep. Yep. He had he had Hearns... Um, I'm sorry. Hearns had him... Had had control of the fight. He was, he was probably up big on the cards early on. Mm-hmm. And then I think round 13 was when Leonard came out. He had that flurry. And he... I think he puts Hearns through the ropes... Right at that stage of the fight, and then um, Leonard just just let him have it, and then there was a TKO stoppage in the fourteenth, and so Leonard came out of that fight banged up. He had that surgery on his eye. He was that's I think that's what kind of set off him retiring. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Hearns was just kind of 
trying to figure out what was next for him. Hagler was standing on the outside because he thought he was up next for Leonard. Right. And now Leonard goes into retirement. So right. the, the whole sport is, is on hold, basically. And everyone's kind of like, all right, so what's next? It's crazy. And that was like in 1982 when Leonard retired? Yeah. Like, he, he made that whole big old event, right? In the, yeah. In the boxing ring? Yeah. And Hagler was there? Hagler was there. Hagler yeah. was expecting him to announce that he was going to fight Hagler. That's crazy, man. And instead, he's like, I'm staying retired and just took off. And Hagler's standing there. Jeez. Amazing, yeah. right? Yep. So then, Hearns ends up... I mean, obviously, Hearns and, and Hagler keep going. Hearns wins the junior middleweight title versus Benitez. He knocks him out in 1982. Mm-hmm. Duran in 83 fights David Moore. He wins the junior middleweight title. And then, that kind of sets off the the... the a little bit of a spiral for Duran. So he loses to Hagler at middleweight later that year in a unanimous decision. And then Hearns has a brutal knockout. You could go back and watch that. He just lays Duran out in 84. So now with all that going on, now the stage is finally set for Hagler versus Hearns. So uh, Hearns fought Duran in 84. Yep. And then Hagler fought Duran in 83. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the Hagler versus Duran went 15 rounds, but then Hearns destroyed Duran in the second round. Just destroyed 1984. Him. He, he even says it in the in the documentary, right? That he just didn't have it, and he knew Hearns just was too much for him. That's right. Yeah, and that sets the stage. That sets the stage. So Bob Arum was trying to get a Hagler Hearns fight since 1981. Mm-hmm. Arum stuck by Hagler for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um. We can get into a little bit about the promotion and how he was handled, but Aram was really trying to push Hagler as much as he could to to get one of these bigger fights. One of the biggest problems, though, was that Hearns was fighting at welterweight, okay, and Hagler was a middleweight. True. So Hearns had to put on a bunch of weight. So who's training? Who's training Hearns at the time? Oh, Daniel Stewart. <laughs> Come on, yeah, <laughs> legend, right? Yeah. The legend. So he's he's trying to move up in weight. He fought on the Ali Burbeck undercard. He won a 10-round fight, but um, suffered a, a nasty gash above his eye that would take months to heal. In the meantime, Stewart was saying, hey, Hagler, don't take another fight. Don't move off of this. Like We want this fight to happen. So Stewart said, take these three fights with some of our guys. Emmanuel Stewart. Yes. Yeah. To Hagler. To Hagler. Okay. To take these three fights. Get your, you know, just keep going. We'll give you, I don't know, it was like half a million a fight or whatever. Hagler wasn't making as much at the time. And he said, take these fights, because again, this is in 81. Take these, let our man get his weight up. Let him get used to fighting at middleweight. And then we'll have this super fight in a year or so. Hmm. Hagler ends up fighting two of the guys that are in, in Hearns' camp. It was supposed to be Mickey Goodwin and William Caveman Lee. What a name. And then, so all this is going on. And then meantime... Sugar Ray's camp comes in and says, hey, why don't we do a, a fight at 156? Huh. Right? To Crazy uh, Hagler. To Hagler. But he said he'd rather fight Hearns first and up his, his profile before he fights Leonard. Okay. Right? What year was that? This is all in 81, 82. Hearns, meanwhile, destroys his opponent under two minutes. Then he starts talking shit about Marvin Hagler's recent win, right, in the ring. So it's, it's just like... They're they're set for this fight. So he's it's talking happening. he's talking crap about Marvin Hagler's win against his like teammate or yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
So then Aram said the fight's ready to go, but there's no venue and no TV platform that's willing to pay his ransom, essentially, for, for this fight to take place. Wow. They said people would rather see heavyweights, not middleweights, right? They were just kind of giving him the runaround. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that the same issue that boxing's happening today, right? Like, we can't get <laughs> the fight going. Anyway, so the fight in 80, it was supposed to happen in 82. Now it's bouncing from locations. Vegas is uninterested. Pontiac, Michigan, where the Silver Dome was, where the Lions used to play. Aaron was worried he was going to lose money because he said, if I have a fight there, then there's going to be closed circuit TV. Yeah. Crazy about what's going into the mindset of a promoter, right? Right. Then Windsor, Ontario, but the venue was too small. And then while all this is going on, of course, who interjects himself? Don King. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> right? So Don King was trying to get in. He was offering more money. He said, I'd give either fighter more money to fight my guy Benitez. Well, Fredo. Yeah. Yep. Right? And then meantime, Hearns busted up his finger because he fell during training okay. on his right hand. And the fight got delayed again, and it got mired in all this red tape. So Hearns ends up fighting Benitez, and then Hagler struggled with some fights back in Boston, and things just kind of went sideways. Mm-hmm. And the fight just just never took place. What year is it when uh, Benitez fought Tommy Hearns? Yeah. 1982. That was 1982. Okay. So 82, was the same year Ray Leonard retired, and then... 83 and 84, those other two fights happened. Yep. Yep. Okay. Just incredible amount of fighting that was going on. Um, Good fighting, I should say. I want to talk a little bit about just the state of of boxing promotion and fight management for both of these guys Mm -hmm. at that time. So Hagler seemed to have a a disdain for promoters and, and the overall boxing game, right? Like, we could talk about his legacy later or we could talk about it now, but I really think the game just wasn't kind to Hagler for a long, long time. It just seemed like he was always fighting with everything. You know, it was like his his persona was like this like against against the grain, against like society type person. Um, like I'm a fighter, I'm mean, I'm tough, I, I train like a soldier. I think he was like that probably in business, you know, and maybe he wasn't as marketable as these other guys because of that. But I think that he was also in some like TV shows and stuff when I was doing some research. Yeah. It, it always seemed like he was painting a bleaker picture than what was really going on. True. He wasn't, he wasn't recognizing what he had. He was always striving for more. And I think he wanted what Leonard had. Everybody wanted what Leonard had. Right. But Hagler was like, I'm the man. I'm, I've been defending my title how many times over now. People should be recognizing me. People should be paying for my fights. But he just... He didn't have Leonard's smile. He didn't have Leonard's personality. It's it's hard. It, it's something that you can't just give. Somebody can't earn. It's it's something that's given to you. Which is why people liked him. When you're born with it, right? Right. Right. I mean, he he, did, he wasn't born with the charisma, but he had his own style of charisma. Definitely. Yeah. And he, it kind of looked like whenever he would smile, it was like it was like hurting to smile. It was yeah. Like he, was, he was full of muscle. Like his face had muscle when he was smiling. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I'm trying to find a fighter that was... Dominating his sport and on top of the game, but just couldn't gain mainstream traction for a long time. The one that I thought of recently was Triple G. Okay. Because it took him a while to get to the top of the mountain, to just get that attention. HBO was pushing him hard, right? Yeah. I remember there were guys like Kellerman, like, man, Triple G is... and But he just couldn't get the attention of the fighters. Well, oh, you mean like he couldn't fight... 
Like there weren't enough fighters that wanted to fight him. Is that he what just he say? just couldn't get that big pay per view, that big payday. Well, I mean, or is there someone else? I mean, that that's the first name that came to my mind. But I don't know if you had somebody else that you thought that just scuffled for so long, that was great, but just didn't get his his opportunity or his opportunity to shine. I should say it's tough to say that he scuffled because or any fighter would scuffle to like get that shine because. Uh, there's a lot of people that thought Triple G avoided some fighters. Okay. Um, like, they say that he avoided, like, moving up in weight to fight Andre Ward. Uh, they said that, you know, there's, I mean, there's just criticism, you know. Like, they were saying that he also avoided uh, Chavez Jr. when Chavez Jr. was, you know, coming up. And I think they were around the same time. But, you know, there's, it's just boxing politics, man. Like, you could say that. Evander Holyfield, although he was very popular, or I'm sorry, Lennox Lewis, didn't really like get that big fight until like you know he was in his late 30s. So it's just the politics of the game. Like what 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 sells the most? Why would I sell uh, Triple G against Andre Ward when I don't want to jeopardize Triple G's marketability and he could possibly lose to that guy? Or you know, Lennox Lewis against Evander Holyfield in the early 90s when Holyfield was still, like, you know, super fast. So, it's just the politics of the game, man. It's hard to it's hard to find one particular fighter that just had that sort of, like, wall that they couldn't pass. Yeah. I, I feel Hopkins? like... Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe Roy Jones? Because Roy Jones didn't really have an opponent to fight, but he was, like, this, like, star. Yeah. Ward too, you're right. I feel like Ward might be the the better example because it took him yeah. a while to get that big pay per view. It did. Because that's the better example. Well, Ward had all the accolades, man. Yeah, like the Olympic gold medal, undefeated, the smile, the looks, you know. But he didn't have that like that opponent, that guy that could just like push him to the max. I mean, he was calling out certain fighters, but they weren't stepping to the plate, and. Yeah, I mean, it just he wouldn't budge from his position just to like you know give in to like a whoever it is like Triple G move down in ten weight ten pounds just to fight Triple G when he's already a champion at one sixty eight. Yeah, yeah, but it's something to be said for Hearns getting his fight with Leonard and both guys were in their early twenties, and Hagler not getting this fight with Hearns until he was thirty. Well, I mean, he was Hagler was bigger than these guys too, right? I mean, Hagler was 160, and then Leonard and Hearns were fine at 147. Yeah. You know? So. That is true. That is true. And it seemed like Stewart was managing his career, I don't want to say better, but he was always putting him in the right opportunity. There was just more options at that weight class. Just a lot more options. I mean, there was Leonard, there's Duran, there's Benitez, there's whoever. You know, there's there's just options and they're all that same weight class yeah yeah that is true and Hagler didn't have those options especially if he didn't want to move down like you said earlier right yeah yeah so Hagler grew up in Newark he moved to Boston I guess his mom was upset by the uh, Newark riots and uh, moved him to Boston uh, a suburb called Brockton home of um, Rocky Marciano oh, oh yeah? yeah I guess Marvin Hagler too but Mark Marciano <laughs> <laughs> So, um, 
thought you were going to say Sandy Koufax. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was Brooklyn, man. Uh, so Hagley, uh, a great description I heard of Hagler was uh, in Sports Illustrated. They call them small but frightening, like a stick of dynamite. Wow. And he had that tough guy persona, man. He just had that tough guy persona. So he turned pro in 73, which means he met, missed the 76 Olympics. Wow, he turned pro in 1973. Okay. Yeah. So he missed the 76 Olympics, which is unfortunate because, again, that's just such a popular team. Yeah. Um, he ended up fighting everyone he could in his weight class. He got a shot against Vito Anafermo in the undercard of, again, that Benitez-Leonard fight. Um, fight ended in a draw. He was devastated he didn't get his titles. And he thought he would just never get a chance because he felt like he fought so hard to get to that point and he mm-hmm. just would never get recognized again. But, again, I feel like perception versus reality. The reality was not even a year later, he got a fight, a title fight, and he beat Alan Minter to win the, the middleweight title. That's right. And that fight was like racially, there was all this racism going on in the fight. Minter was making all these like backhanded comments about him. There was like a, basically like a riot in the arena after the loss right uh by minter was so, it in europe i think it was in the uk yeah and then hearns on the other side again completely uh, like diametrically opposed in how they looked right Hagler's kind of stumpy like a like a bull and here comes hearns he's tall he's wiry right right grew up in a, in a tough town obviously um in detroit but he had these like wild eyes like a like a serial killer or something man right the hitman yeah they could just knock you out with one punch. Yeah. It, it seemed like uh, Hagler was a lot more cerebral about his attack. You know, like he took time, broke you down, then, like, you know, pretty much, like, make you submit like a snake or something, you know? Whereas Hitman was just like a one-punch right hand, like, make you delirious type of fighter. Yeah. 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 He'd whip his, his hook and then just come over the top with that right hand and just yeah. devastate you. Yeah. So he came out of that... Famous Kronk boxing gym in Detroit. And really, I think with Hearns, it was they, they've, they've said it multiple times. He was like the fifth sport for Detroit. I feel like Hagler wasn't as mm. embraced. I mean, he was, you know, he was, people love him now, but at that time, he had a following, but not like what Hearns had. He was the fifth team, the fifth major sports team in that, in that city of Detroit. When his fights were on, people were, were tuning in. They were going to support him no matter what. It's tough to compete with big sports like that. You know, like I talked to Andre about Andre Ward about that. He's like, man, I'm from Oakland, but I'm competing with all these other sports. And, I mean, if he was around the 1980s, maybe he would have been a little bit bigger. But, I mean, he was competing with, like, the Raiders, the A's, the Warriors. And his fight was on, like, a Saturday when maybe some of those events were going on. But if Hearns could do that in a city like Detroit... Yeah, that's, that's very impressive. Yeah, especially at that time, right? Yeah, Detroit was still. I mean, it was, it was kind of a struggling city, but it was still on the on the up and up. Um, and the you're right, the Pistons were dominating in the '80s. Yeah, I mean, the Red Wings are. I mean, it's definitely a hockey town. Yeah, it's a hockey town. I mean, I don't know what the Lions were doing, but I mean, they they have their teams. Yeah. you know. Yeah, and well, I mean, Hagler, where's where's Broxton, Massachusetts, the comparison. Massachusetts, Broxton, yeah. it's, it's like 20, 30 miles from, from Boston. Boston. Okay. Well, so. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of the, I want to talk to you about uh, styles a little bit. So, Hearns was was just long, right? Right. He's just this like towering figure. And 
Stewart said he wasn't wild and reckless, even though his fights always had these like crazy flurries in them mm-hmm. where he would start throwing. But he said he was cold and calculating. That's fair. You know? Like he had the jab. Turns was known for his left jab and the overhand right. I mean, Stewart's like a legendary trainer, and that that's how he made it he made a name for himself training Tommy Hearns. Yeah. And that Kronk gym's like ain't no joke, man. You know, it's like you, you're a fucking badass. You come out of that gym, <laughs> and those are the guys that start pretty much built that reputation. So, I, I have no doubt what, what Stewart's saying. Like, I would never doubt that. Yeah, yeah. So Stewart helps him kind of grow and and grow into his body a little bit more and find that power. Right. And his right hand, to your point, was his biggest asset, but it was it was prone to breaking. Uh, he kept breaking fingers and, and his hand. I mean, it happened multiple times, including early in this fight that we're talking about. And so it was kind of like his gift and his curse. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... I don't, know, I don't know what else I could add to that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then Hackler, like you said, was more of a technician, right? He would kind of keep, you know, kind of stand on the outside. Super uh, tough to stop. I guess he never lost a fight except on the cards, in his career. Never got knocked out. Never got knocked out. I think he went down once and he still claims it was a slip. Mm. And he was a southpaw, right? So there's talk that a lot of people would avoid him because he was southpaw. It's fair, yeah. I'm sure, yeah, because he was awkward. Yeah. And he was tough. And you can't look good against a southpaw. It's like very skilled and, you know, tough to beat. And he could change to righty. Yeah. So imagine that. Yeah. The kind of different looks that you're getting from a guy like that. Right. So, apparently he changed his fighting style for this fight specifically so that he could attack from the inside. People were saying he was he was looking more like Joe Frazier, where he was kind of like squatting, getting, you know, trying to get into more of a crouch so he can get closer. I mean, he comes in with a body attack right away in this fight. You notice that. Like, in the beginning, he's throwing to the body when Hearns is throwing to the head. And that's, that's the crazy part about it. It's just, like, Hearns has a longer reach, so... Hagler has to get inside and hit him to the body. And I know I'm getting into the fight right now, but they said that in the book, did they talk about how Hearns got like a massage before the fight? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's part of the reason why he went like all out. So it's, it's wild to think that all of this happens. Everything that we've talked about is the buildup to... This actual fight. Seriously. So, Aram announces the fight, finally, for 85. Yep. There's all this There's all this press buildup going into it, right? They have their initial press conference, and then they did a 21-city press tour. Unbelievable. In 14 days. Oh, my gosh. So, Hearn's personality was coming out more so than anybody. He was irritating Hagler every chance that he got. He was, he was riding him. Hagler was just... He just wanted, like, no part of it. He was, mm-hmm. like, disinterested... Um, I think they said that he was he was like pretending to fall asleep, putting tissues in his in his ears so he didn't have to hear what Hearns was saying. Um, and I, there's a there's a, a funny line that he had. Uh, he had a bunch, but uh, he was saying that Hearns was predicting a three round knockout because Hearns couldn't pass uh, count past three. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hearns started drawing like wild cartoon pictures of of Hagler, like just looking like shit, you know, like so. Uh, it was it was just an interesting build up to the fight. Do you think a tour like this could take place nowadays? I think uh, De La Hoya and Mayweather did an eleven city tour, 
And then uh, Ricky Hatton and Mayweather also did a tour. Canelo and Mayweather did a tour. But not like this, man. Mayweather and McGregor did ones that were that was, that were pretty crazy. Yeah, those were that was a tour. Press tour. Yeah. So maybe. Not like this, dude. 21 city in 14 days? Yeah. Yeah, and Aaron was trying to get each of them a jet. And there was this whole story about how both guys were, were like angling to get the better jet. Oh, that's right. So they could... <laughs> <laughs> for the travel to make it more comfortable and for him. Tommy Hearns' jet was like a party, and Hagler's jet was all boring. All business. Yeah. What about Richard Steele? So he's the ref for this fight. It surprised me that he was in the... I don't know why I didn't think he was that old. The guy doesn't age. Dude, Richard Steele's like an all-time great. All-time <laughs> legend. Yeah, amazing. I mean, you think of boxing in those, that era, you think of Richard Steele. You know, you think about him in the Tyson fights, Meldrick Taylor against uh, Chavez. Um... I mean, there's so many fights with him. But all the referees like that from Vegas, they learn from Richard Steele, like Kenny Bayless, Tony Weeks. They like when I've talked to them, they they'll mention Richie, Richard Steele, like oh yeah, he told me about this and this and that. So dude, this guy's like, like I feel like he he was like one of the first or the first referee that I remember in boxing. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he was. If I felt like he was in all the fights, it was him and uh, Mills Mills Lane. Mills Lane. Yeah. Punch the get out. Yeah. Remember uh, Richard Steele? Punch the get out. He still always say that. Yeah. I feel like in this fight, it was... I don't know how you could control a fight like this. Because you're worried you're going to get clipped. Like, you you got to worry about your own safety. Yeah. Richard Steele said he was, like, exhausted <laughs> in the third round. He's like, I don't know how these guys are keeping up. I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. So, both guys weighed in at 159. Again, both guys are in their prime. Hagler's 30. Hearns is 26. Mm-hmm. Hearns did have three inches of reach on him and a little bit of a height advantage, obviously. Right. The announcers, Al Michaels and Al Bernstein. Wow. Incredible. Al Michaels. Yeah. Jeez. Incredible. The walkouts, Hagler got a – I think he got some – a little bit of booze maybe right out the gate, and then he had a bunch of cheers. But overall, the, the crowd was was ready for this fight. It's crazy that this fight was on a Monday in Las Vegas. Yeah. It's like, where are people, like, flying in, taking time off of work? Well, they were saying that a lot of people... uh, Vegas was was happy that this fight was taking place on a Monday because they knew they could get high rollers in on a Friday and keep them for an extra day or two (laughs) versus them leaving on a Sunday. Now they're leaving on a Monday or a Tuesday. That's awesome. So Vegas was happy about it. So before, like you said, before going, getting ready for his walkouts now, like, just before the fight... Hearns tells Stewart, hey, my legs, I got. I don't have my legs today. Right. And so I guess Hearns had this like crazy entourage versus Hagler. And so Hearns is getting people are like massaging his legs and like trying to get him ready. And Stewart's freaking out because if you get a massage, it actually weakens your body yeah. versus like, you know, you think like, oh, I'm going to get blood circulation or whatever. It does the opposite. Right. It's like like putting a cramp into your legs. Uh-huh. So Stewart was freaking out and like getting guys, getting guys away from him. And so, throughout the fight, you can see Hearns just doesn't have his legs. There's a few times where he stumbles backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he tries to plant and he just doesn't have it. And so, you can even see him kind of stumble a little bit, I guess, as he's getting into the ring. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. When he's walking into the ring, yeah. he's stumbling? Yeah. He just, didn't, he just didn't have his legs. Wow. I do remember him stumbling during the fight, but I thought that was mostly because of the pressure. I didn't think it was because of no. the actual fight. I if mean, the you, massage. If you well or whatever whatever was going on with his legs, but if you watch it again, he's kind of like it's like he's standing in quicksand or something. Like he can't he can't really move yeah. like he normally does. And mm-hmm. a couple times, even in like the second and third round, you'll see him 
try to plant and he just loses his it, you we think it's a slip but now looking back on it it was probably just he just couldn't put any weight on his legs that's insane that's insane yeah so a guy could train that much and just not not have it on that night all right so you said the fight starts fast right bell rings right away Hagger comes charging <laughs> right yeah hits him with the right hand Yep. And then that's pretty much like they go against the ropes and they're just going at it. Yeah. So I think the first big the first big punch landed was by Hearns. Because he, he threw his jab a few times and then he, he landed with his right. And I think that kind of it caught Hagler. And even the announcer was like, oh my God, Hagler's hurt. Right. And then from there, it's just, I think within two minutes, Hagler's bleeding like crazy from his forehead. Yep. And no one even knows how that happened. I think Hagler thought that he got punched and that happened, but some people say it might have been from a from a chin or from a shoulder or an mm-hmm. elbow even. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you can't even describe the the punches. You know, you can't like when we're talking about the other fights, like you're, we're talking about how they're all the punches were getting set up, but you can't really describe what's going on, man. They're just they're just throwing, but they're throwing with so much precision and. Like, they're not moving. They're just, like, going at it. And it's, it's great, man. It's freaking magic. Yeah. After the first round, everyone's stunned. Right. The yeah. people in the stands, people that are watching right. us now, you'll still watch it again, and you got to take a deep breath after watching that first round because you're holding it, just waiting for someone to fight. You've seen the fight a hundred times, and you're like, I, I can't believe these guys are going to last three minutes. I'm telling you, dude, like, a few days ago, and I watched it, after, like, 90 seconds, I'm looking, I'm like, geez, like, what the hell's going on right now? <laughs> You know, like they're still really punching that hard and going at it, like no no breaks. So, yeah, man, this was definitely a writer's sport back then, right? Like the 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 boxing writers were like the kings of journalism at that time, and to read what they were saying, it wasn't hyperbole. It was just this was an amazing round of fighting, and I guess even those guys were were like stunned silent. None of them knew what to say after what they saw. Right. Guys had been watching boxing for 50 years, you know, since the 30s. were like, man, this was the best round of boxing I've ever seen. And Al Bernstein said that in the commentary. Al Bernstein said it. And yeah. he even, I was, I was reading about it. He said he had so much adrenaline that it just came out of him. But it was justified. Yep. It wasn't something like he was just saying because he wanted people to, to keep watching. Mm-hmm. It really was what he saw and it just came out of him. Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny that we're talking about a fight that's eight minutes long. 40 years later. Yeah. And it's still kind of hard to comprehend, like, what the hell happened that night. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, boxing at its best, right? Yep. And Hagler, Hagler, for his part, he told his corner after that round, he said, I know this fight's over. Really? He said he could feel Hearns' power diminishing. He's like, I've taken his best shots. I've got this in control. Wow. But then Hearns comes out. He's controlling the early part of the second round. Mm-hmm. He's moving a little bit better. Um, but by the end of the round, again, Hagler's just dominating. Yeah. So Hagler takes over, and you could see Hearns was getting a little sluggish. He was just he was just slowing down. He just didn't have his lower body, and his, his just legs weren't there. Wearing down. Yeah. Yep. So you're looking at him now in between rounds. Hagler looks in worse shape because his face is all swollen because Hearns was just punishing him with that with that jab whenever he could. Mm-hmm. And he's got that blood coming out of his forehead. And but you look at him, he's focused, he's locked in, and Hearns was glass-eyed. Yeah, like he just didn't. He just knew he was in for it. Right. So then we get into the third round. Hearns connects early, and he opens up Hagler's cut, and then Steele pulls him aside. Right in the beginning of the round. Right, right in the beginning of the round. 
And then you're like, damn, but don't stop this fight over the cut. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're all thinking, right? Right. Everybody in the whole world, except for Hearns and his camp, are like, please let this fight keep going. <laughs> yeah. So Hearns even said he was hoping and praying that this fight would have ended back then. But it just, it obviously didn't happen. The, the, uh, the cut wasn't bad enough. I guess it only took like four or five stitches to close it up, believe it or not, despite all that blood. So then... Hearns kind of had a little bit of energy. He comes after he comes after Hagler, but it was it was all for naught. Yeah, Hagler cha- like was basically like chasing him around the ring. Right, and then at the end of the fight, I mean, knocks him out and gets or Hearns gets, pretty much gets carried out by one of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an incredible scene, right? Yeah, that was man. the last time you saw someone getting carried out. Actually, carried out like a baby. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was surprising to me that he got up because if you watch the fight, you're so focused on Hagler celebrating and right. Hearns being laid out. You don't realize he gets up. That's right. Right around the four or five yeah. when Steele gets to there. He yeah. actually gets up and he's got nothing. He's yeah. like he's like stumbling. Great stoppage, man. Great stoppage. But that, that image of him kind of when he turned his back to Hagler mm-hmm. and then Hagler just kind of like stalking him and just landing that right, you're like, oh my God. He just falls down, what sprawls a down. Yeah, what yeah, a moment. It is a great moment, man. And they're both so complimentary after the fight. Yeah. They're both talking about how they both, you know, the opponent came, came you know, with, the, with their best and, you know, it was the best, Hagler was like, it was the best fight of my life and this and that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just overall... A great experience for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah. the The reaction was obviously extremely positive right out the gate. Yeah, they ended up HBO ended up showing the fight again a week later because people just wanted it, and then we've been watching it ever since on ESPN Classic, and right, it's been replayed a million yeah. times over. And you're always going to tune in mm-hmm. a because you know it's a great fight, b because you know it's only eight minutes. Yep, and so. Um, both boxers, obviously, like you said, they embraced later on in Hagler's locker room. And um, one quite, one thing that I was reading that was kind of surprising to me was Stewart received some criticism after the fight was done, believe it or not. Mm. And people were saying that Hearns should have tried to slow the action down and not try to brawl with them. But I felt like that was the opposite style, right? Hearns was seen as more of like the a little bit more of like a brawler than than Hagler was, right? Well, I mean, like. I don't know, but I, I don't know if like Stewart should get criticism for that. You know, it's like it was Hearns' decision to just go in right away and start attacking like that. I mean, that was just the plan. It was like Rocky Three, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just go after. Yeah, him. they just went after him. So I don't think Stewart should get criticism for that. Uh, but as far as like who's the more of a brawler, but I, I guess the, to answer your question, Hearns was more of a finisher than Hagler. So, yeah, yeah. So, now after the fight is done, Hagler finally gets his, his shine, right? Mm-hmm. He's a star. He's getting all the fame that he was, he was looking for. He's suddenly showing up on Punky Brewster and That's right. all these other, right? He, he wants to be an actor. He wants to do all these promos. He's doing Pizza Hut or Domino's ads. Um, he met President Reagan. That's right. So, his, he's kind of, he's on top of the world. Yeah. And he waits a year. He fights John Mugabe and then finally, finally, finally gets his match with, with Ray Leonard. Wasn't Leonard commentating on this fight, the Hagler Hearns? Yeah. 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 And actually, they went back and they did like a, like, we'll all watch it together kind of thing. That's right. With HBO. That's right. Which is, 
which is super, super cool that they were able to pull that off. They still do. I mean, no, they don't still do that, but they did that a lot, like, in the early 90s, too. Like, Foreman, Holyfield, um, a lot of Tyson fights. Even Lennox Lewis against uh, Tyson. Lennox Lewis came back and started watching it with, like, Lampley and Larry Merchant. So, yeah, it, just, it was just more of, like, a, back then, like, in the, in the 80s and the 90s and 70s, like, Boxing, like I said, it was just more of the cult, more in the culture, and there was more options to do things like that. It's like watching NFL prime time on or whatever it's called, like on a Wednesday or something. You know, like people just cared about it so much back then, and there were all these all these analysts, and the writers were the best, and everyone loved them. And now we're trying to get fights like once a year, hopefully. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he ends up finally getting his fight with, with Ray Leonard in 1987. It's an incredibly close fight that ends in a split decision um, loss for Hagler. Right. And afterwards, Hagler was so broken up and convinced that he won that he just decided to retire. And people still talk about that fight, too. I'm sorry to cut you off. But they still talk about that fight all the time. Like Leonard, Leonard said that people go up to him every day and still ask about that fight. It's, it's insane. Amazing. Yeah. So people were calling on him to return for years, and he just said he had no more interest. He just was done with the game. Yeah. Well, I think he called for the rematch for like a year and kind of just gave up. Yeah. Waiting on Leonard. Yeah. Who do you, you think won that fight? Leonard versus Hagler. I feel a little biased now after doing all this research, but I got to say Hagler. Really? Yeah. Maybe by a point or two. Okay. I say that. You feel differently? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I feel like Leonard, uh, I, think, I feel like Hagler gave away like the first four rounds. Coming in um, orthodox instead of south, southpaw. Gave it away, man. Interesting. Yeah. That's another one we got to cover, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So then Hagler ends up, after this, he ends up moving to Italy. He wanted to become an actor. I don't think he had much of a career, unfortunately. And he had some personal issues with you know, domestic violence and substances and all that. But um, overall, he was still considered a champ. We think of him as a, as a legend. Of course. Unfortunately, he passed away last year yep. in 2021. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone kind of rallied around, the sport rallied around to just, again, say how incredible of a fighter he was and what an impact he had on the sport. He was only 66 when he died. That's terrible. That is terrible. So... Um, on the other side, Hearns kept on boxing. He was dominating division after division, right? So he's the first boxer to win world titles in five weight classes at the wow. time. Okay. So welterweight, light middle, middle, super middle, and then light heavy. Um, in 89, he got his rematch with Leonard finally. Right. So 88 or 89, yeah. Yeah. And the fight went the distance, but it was a draw. And I think Hearns was just, he felt like, finally I showed that I'm on the same level as, as Leonard. I mean, did you have you seen that fight? Not was, in a while. Yeah, uh, Leonard got knocked down twice, round two and round eleven, but they still gave him a draw. Was, and I think after the fact, uh, Ray Leonard actually said that Hearns beat him that night. But I mean, Leonard's popularity was just so strong, and you know he was coming back, so a, I guess it was kind of a Vegas thing where you got to give it to you can't let Leonard lose. You gotta at least have have a draw or something, you yeah. know. 
the uh, yeah the fight I think just kind of stained left the stain on boxing for a while. Yeah, well, that decision. I mean, that was going into the la- the new era of boxing. Yeah, you know, like we were talking about the late '80s, going into the '90s, and Leonard and Hearns are getting older. Duran fought Leonard again, yeah. and that fight was horrible. Yeah, yeah. So it was a change in the guard, man. Yeah. Hearns managed to box until he was 47 wow. in 2006. And then uh, he also tried his hand at acting. I don't think that went extremely well, but I do remember on Martin a couple times. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, the, the legacy of these two guys is always going to be tied to each other and tied to Duran and to, to Leonard as of well. Of course. And then, yeah. Hagler Hearns just rings, still rings out. It's a great, yeah, it's a great slogan. It's like a slogan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they fought at their peak, like you said. I mean, it was fast. Yeah. All right, Raymond. So, scale of 1 to 10, what do you give this fight? Scale of 1 to 10, I give it like a 9, 5, 9, 6. Okay. You know, it's just the fact that it had everything that boxing needed at the time. And it didn't, boxing didn't really need much at the time. You know, it was one of the most popular sports in the world. It was on a Monday. And... The two fighters fought at their prime, and it was a three-round fight, and we're still talking about it. So, if it's not a 10, it's pretty damn close to a 10. I'm giving it a 10. You're giving it a 10? I'm giving it a 10. Nice. The build-up to it, the fact that there's all this amazing content around it that you can go back and look at. I mean, you basically can spend a year doing research on this fight. Yeah. Write a book about it. Yeah. I mean, we we read a book about it, right? Yeah. So uh, definitely give it a 10. And then um, last question is, who who won the fight? Besides just obviously Hagler in the ring. Who else won the fight? I'll give you one, an unconventional one. Go ahead. CompuBox. CompuBox. It was one of their first fights that was online. Nice. 165 punches in that first round. Okay. And people were like all swarming over the CompuBox at the time because they were like, oh my God, we got to see what the what the results were. What no. kind of data it captured? So 165 total punches. Yeah. Okay. Who like who landed more punches? Do you know? Uh, I think it was about even. Wow. It was about even. So 165 landed punches? No, no. 165 thrown punches in three minutes. Wow. It's like a punch a second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't. I guess copy box. I was gonna say the fans. I'm gonna say <laughs> boxing. <laughs> boxing. Yeah, and more in general. Yeah. You know, the sport of boxing, and. Yeah, you think about that time, it's so, like, majestic. Caesar's Palace, outside, um, two fighters at their peak, and people are just, like, you know, drooling over this event, and people can go back and look at it and still be excited about it. Yeah. It's not like going back and looking at, like, a freaking AFC championship game. I'm not going to go back and watch that. I might watch clips here and there, but you can go back and watch this fight and enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe Bob Arum, too? Sure. It's a huge fight for him, for top rank. Dude, Bob Arum was making money before that. <laughs> <laughs> he was promoting Ali, dude. So, yeah. yeah, Huge win. Huge win all around, man. Yes, yes sir. All right, Raymond. Until next time. Yes, sir.